Hello and welcome back to Control-Alt-Delete. I know I always say this, but today's guest is very, very exciting. I've wanted to interview her for years and I practically flew to New York to make this one happen, which kind of isn't an exaggeration. I would have done that. I was in New York. I managed to meet up with Leandra Medine and she is obviously, you probably already know, the author and the founder of Man Repeller, which started off as a fashion blog and has now turned into an empire, basically. I've been following Leandra for years. I first read her book in 2013 when that came out. It's called Man Repeller, Seeking Love and Finding Overalls. And then in 2016, Man Repeller launched a footwear line called M are by Man Repeller and I obviously opened up my wallet and bought a pair of those. I've just been following the brand and the website for so long and it's also one of the happiest and funniest and informative places I think on the internet and it makes me very nostalgic for the days where I would go and read blogs every morning rather than scroll through Instagram and feel bad about my life. So I went to Man Repeller HQ in New York which was very exciting. It's always exciting to step inside the in real life office of the place that you do follow on Instagram and I got to meet some amazing man repeller readers as well at an event that me and Leandra did the following day after recording this so thank you Leandra if you're listening for being so welcoming it was so much fun the meaning of man repeller is about trends that women love and men hate I love wearing man repelling clothes my boyfriend doesn't always understand what I'm wearing and that to me is a good thing I always feel good in my clothes when I like it and I don't really care if it appeals to the opposite sex I love how much Leandra combines fashion with humour. On the website it says, an interest in fashion doesn't minimise one's intellect. And that's the whole point in Man Repeller. You can be very, very interested in fashion and that doesn't minimise anything else you've got going on. Leandra attended college at the New School for Liberal Arts in New York. And then she had a fact-checking job at New York Magazine before starting Man Repeller in 2010. Today, Man Repeller clocks up millions and millions of page views a month. And she's collaborated with some of the biggest fashion brands and retailers out there including a mango partnership that's just launched if you haven't already go and check out man repeller they have a lot in the works she's quite mysterious about some of the 2.0 plans that are coming out and also a podcast about turning 30 is in the pipeline so keep your eyes peeled for that this podcast is basically one big excuse for me to just meet up with the people i want to talk to over a coffee so i hope you enjoy it and please please leave a rating if you do like it on itunes it really really helps so here it is and see you next week I'm so excited to be in the Man Repeller office, the actual office that I kind of dream about quite a lot. This is it. This is it. I'm with the amazing Leandra. Hello. Hello. Who I've been following since your first book. My only book. And a brilliant book where you were were sick in the the Hermes handbag. Oh gosh. (laughs) I wrote that when I was 22. So I always, not always, but in the, well, I mean, that was literally almost a decade ago. Or I wrote it when I was 21 even. I, I was writing it on my honeymoon. Almost a decade ago. It's crazy. And it seems very presumptuous that I was to put together a memoir at such a young age. I wrote my first book on like kind of growing up on the internet when I was 25. I don't know if you feel this. I'm sure you don't. But I kind of look at it and I'm like, that's not me anymore. I'm embarrassed to read it. I just won't do it. I wouldn't read mine. I'm sure that once I have like very comfortably nestled into my adulthood, which I I see 
happening as I get older by the day, I'll look back on it pretty fondly and yeah. be like, this is actually a lovely time capsule of precisely where I was and who I was in my very early 20s. It was more a reflection of my teenage years than anything else. And that's nothing to be ashamed or embarrassed about. It's just funny when people read it and believe it to be reflective of like my current experience and philosophies and thinking patterns when it's really not. Yeah, and I guess everyone on some sort of level has that when they have a blog or they have YouTube videos floating around on the internet. It's like, it's yeah. kind of nice that we've got that documentation. I think so. I guess you just also, you have to assume that um, people change, right? Totally. You can't take their bylines and assume them to be mm-hmm. fact. Totally. And we change our minds so much. But I wanted to talk to you about, firstly, turning 30. I don't know if that was a thing for you, but I just turned 30 and kind of... Was I, it a thing I for me? I kind of feel amazing. A, I'm starting a podcast called Holy 30 because <gasps> oh it's God. been so transformative. Amazing. I, I literally on my 30th birthday woke up and felt great. And I was like, what is it about this? Is it like a fresh start? Is it the fact that I'm not like a silly 20 something anymore in other people's eyes? You know what I did on my 30th birthday? I flew to Australia, so I kind of, I like actually missed my birthday because you, you lose a day when you fly right. over there. So I left on the 19th and arrived on the 21st. So I might still be 29, unclear. <laughs> You're like frozen in time. Uh huh. Yes, I definitely agree that something like strangely visceral and transformative happens at 30. And not everyone is self-aware or conscious enough to recognize that the shift is happening when they're 30 or, or right around the time mm. that they're nestling into advanced, let's say, young adulthood. Mm. And it's true with kind of, obviously people are still obsessed with age and we still have the like, even like when Tavi Gevinson was like 12, everyone was like obsessed because you're so young. And now I feel like, I hope things are sort of changing. Like I follow so many over 50s and over 60 fashion bloggers at the moment. I don't know what it is, but I feel like I want their wisdom or I want their confidence. You follow fashion bloggers for wisdom? Well, I follow... I, that's not a leading no, question. No, I do, I do, because it's the captions. Like, it's so much more than, it's like, yes, I love your pantsuit, but you're also, you've, like, just told me something about yeah. how you're feeling that day. Do I do that? You're, like, the queen of captions. That, to me, is, like, the crux of why style exists of why style is like a worthy conversation because you're never actually talking about the clothes so much as you are your experience and, and like expression. who you are that day mm-hmm. that's always been what interested me the most about writing about and talking about fashion and that's why I reject with so much conviction when anyone says that fashion is trivial you know like the really simple TLDR reason is I challenge anyone who's who woke up in a bad <laughs> mood but like put on an outfit that made them feel really good and changed their lease on that day to tell me that fashion is trivial you know it like actually has these transformative qualities and then the other piece of it is if you are curious about the human experience and like truly spirited the way that I am and like in pursuit of celebrating human interest and the trivialities of what make us go and what keep us joyful and give us hope hope is the real thing that conversation can sound kind of muted if you're talking about it so literally but to be able to use something that is seemingly trivial like fashion as the vessel the language is just great I guess is what I'm trying to say and I, that's what Man Repeller does I, yes I totally agree and I feel like it's not so binary as well with like if you look great on a day it doesn't mean you feel great and actually sometimes the opposite is true I remember on like mental health day which I think was last month people were posting like them looking amazing they've like completely worn their best outfit and they're like 
I just felt a bit bad on this day and it made me look at Instagram in a different way. Well, sometimes I mean, it's not we always the case. But... Sometimes we overcompensate for how we feel by getting really dressed up, right? Mm-hmm. And it does make it a little better sometimes. It does. Not always, it but really certainly does. sometimes. It's like a self-respect thing. I'm going to try at least. I totally agree. It's the same thing with like bringing your, when you order in lunch and that's such a big thing. I don't know if, if it mm-hmm. is part of work culture in the UK the way that it is here. But when you order in lunch and eat it from the tin, sure, fine, easy, efficient. But when you take the time to put it in a plate and pull out proper flatware and sit and mm-hmm. eat your meal, it just espouses this sense of self-respect mm-hmm. in a different kind of way. And I sort of feel that way about people who drink wine, you know, and, and the way that it's become so casual in our culture as like the thing you do for yourself after work. The underlying pursuit, I believe, or like the human behavior that that's tapping into is I want to take some time for myself because I deserve it, mm-hmm. you know, and it, it's like probably not the right way to do that. <laughs> <laughs> but there, there is a sense of slowness that comes with like, you know, pulling out a glass and taking the time to open the bottle and pour it into the glass and to mm. sit and listen to some jazz music and drink your wine and read your book. Of course, you can do all these things without the wine, but it, it's like this very literal representation. Totally. Oh my God, that's making me want wine now. <laughs> I just, when I see a picture of wine, I'm like, I need it now. But I wanted to talk to you obviously about man repeller because what fascinates me as well is that not to sound insensitive, but like a lot of publications have like really struggled recently or at least not really known who they are and really kind of not really evolved like since the 90s not to be too harsh about some like glossy magazines have you always just done things like your own way or do you have anyone you look at and you're like wow they're nailing it I think for better and worse I've I've certainly always done things my way I'm not a very linear thinker I'm not process oriented by any stretch in a lot of ways I think this has harmed me because it's really important when you build an organization to be able to like very consistently and solidly provide direction <laughs> where in my mind everything is like way flimsier right and, and like like super watery like this is how things are changing and, and I can feel the change so this is what we're going to do now and I think that has not always served me but on the other side of that is I'm like I'm really not married to any specific system at the core of what we do is my true passion and sincere interest in telling good stories Mm -hmm. and amplifying other stories that deserve to be heard Mm -hmm. I guess all stories deserve to be heard right like everybody has an interesting story if you're just willing to sit down and listen to them and I really believe that to be true and that's really at the core of what we do here and I think for the first 10 years that we existed or at least for the first like five to seven years that we existed that pursuit was best served by publishing words onto a website. I don't know how much longer that's going to be true for. And I don't know what the literal next step is as it relates to how we tell stories, but it's certainly changing. And Mm -hmm. it's not as literal as like, now we're going to write longer captions on Instagram and sign up for our newsletter because it's long form. And, you know, here's our new podcast. There are more nuanced ways that the the pursuit of story extracting Mm -hmm. is uh, presenting itself. And I'm picking up on, on it it's not like completely clear yet but I know that something is coming so interesting that isn't it when you like I wouldn't necessarily say like I'm a trend forecaster or like I'm interested in trends but like there's something about a gut instinct where you're like I think that's kind of a thing I'm just gonna like keep my eye on that and see see what happens but I mean one thing I love so much about Man Repeller is this ability to read something but then also maybe listen to it if you want to 
I like transcribing certain things and I was obsessed with like the email back and forth pieces uh-huh. there was something so human about that yeah and so real like I literally was listening to a conversation that actually happened like quite privately that's always the directive that I give to my writers is pretend an email to a really close friend and explaining to them whatever insert topic of story is here because for me again it's it's more about like telling the story in the most compelling way than it is about, you know, really buttoning up the syntax and winning yourself a Pulitzer. That's great if that (laughs) is your pursuit and go for it. And academic writing can be incredible. And, you know, a really buttoned up narrative is like organized and satisfying to read. Style is definitely a little bit more. We are friends and you can trust me. Mm -hmm. And these are the reasons why. Yes. No, I love that because I think there's so much out there at the moment where it's like, this is definitely, like someone's definitely looked on a CEO keywords and like built something very fake around it. And I feel, I think that's lost in journalism. Like the kind of you guys all sitting around chatting and the ideas just coming from real life. I mean, we've lost our way at at various junctures. There have been so many times over the course of, of my career where I have felt like, okay, we've been doing this for two years or four years or six years. It's time to bring in some experience and, you know, professionalize this thing and mm-hmm. let's sweep up the language and make it feel more legit so that we could be taken more seriously. But I mean, it always comes back to every time I try to do that, I feel like I have this coming to Jesus moment where I look in the mirror and I'm like, why am I trying to take it more seriously when I don't take myself seriously? I take mm-hmm. my work seriously, but I don't take myself seriously. And I want that to be true of all of our editors and writers and and partners. Yes. I love that you don't take yourself too seriously. And even just just now I was like checking I've had lipstick on my teeth because I always have it and I was like oh you know they work in fashion I can't I can't have lipstick and I was like Leandra would not care no I probably like, wouldn't even notice <laughs> or or no I would notice but I would probably apply some to my teeth <laughs> I feel like you would yeah because I wondered I know you probably ask this a lot but like I know that you're probably cringe at like the personal brand thing but like is Leandra the brand different from Man Repeller now or are they like still the same ish mm, they've definitely been operating in separate silos for the last like four or five years that's how it feels yeah well I started I don't want to say building my personal brand about five years ago but I stopped submitting the details of my personal narrative to Man Repeller's Instagram like four or five years ago and then my personal account started growing and then I started monetizing that independent of Man Repeller and I thought to myself like this is going to be a really great way to continue to not take a salary out of the company so that I can keep reinvesting for growth but I will be able to like sustain my own livelihood by doing all of this personal stuff on the side. It hasn't been working. It it definitely worked for a long time. I'm not so interested in continuing to pursue that path so everything is coming back in house. Mm, I've got to figure out how to get myself paid. (laughs) Are there other things outside of Man Repeller? that you're kind of up for doing just in general yeah I mean this is my basic this is my very non-subtle way of being like I want to read another book by you oh it's fine well I uh, maybe one day I'll write another book but I'm definitely I'm starting another podcast which I'm really excited about the 30 yeah oh, holy 30 I can't wait I loved doing monocycle but I, I loved think monocycle. that after I had my kids it just felt like I was trying to speak into a voice that wasn't reflective of my experience anymore you know and for as much as I I was like, well, monocycle is what I make it because it's mine. I was also like, but monocycle is very much about a destroyed woman who is trying to conceive, (laughs) you know? 
Well, I guess I don't obviously know how that feels, but I can imagine it like capturing a time Mm -hmm. where, you know, I remember listening to it and just feeling like we were all like there with you feeling like, oh, just hope something happens. And um, I'm sure so many women found like a lot of um, comfort in you sharing your story. And I can imagine going back to that place might be weird. It's not weird. It's just I I actually sometimes I listen to old episodes and this is a really funny thing about turning 30 also is... I mean, I was 27, 28 when I was trying to get pregnant. Or, yeah, I got pregnant halfway through 28. And that's only like two years ago, three years ago. And when I listen to it now, I'm like, that is a diametrically different person from who I am today. Mm. And in another way, it's sort of a time capsule, right? I really feel for my own suffering, which sounds sort of victim-y, but that's not what I mean. Mm. It's just that I listen to the episodes and all I can think is like, my God, here was this young woman like crying out for help who just wanted to be heard and spoken to and understood and Mm. seen. She's suffering through so much and feels like there's no way out, but there is a way out. And I actually get really emotional when I think about it in the way that like, you know, a therapist will make you like go confront like your 17 year old self Mm. and sit down next to her on a park bench and be like, it's okay. You're going to do great. Mm. You're going to be fine. Don't be so worried. You know, that's lovely. But so I, I sort of feel that way when I listen to the episodes now where I'm just like, you're going to be okay. And Mm. the people around you who, who have told you that they love you, they mean it. Listening to it reminds me a lot of what I went through when I was um, broken up with my now husband when I was like 17 years old. Because when we met, I felt like for the first time in my life, I experienced a different kind of love, a love that I had like so deeply wanted and pursued without knowing it. And that love is the kind of love that makes you feel like you're worthy of it right Mm. and after I got it I was like oh my gosh I am worthy of love look at this and when he broke up with me I think it made me feel like oh actually I guess I'm not Mm. like the love that I want the love that I desire I'm actually not worthy of Mm. and so it wasn't about him and I projected a lot of it onto him but I look back now and realize that it it sort of like knocked me off my breeches Mm. because it was the first time in my life that I felt worthy of love and when I was going through the pregnancy roundabout I saw that come up again it started to bubble up and I don't know if the children represented this like worthiness that I was in pursuit of I don't know if it brought up feelings with my husband where I felt like okay so I've proven that I'm worthy of your love but now is that going to be rescinded because Mm. I can't have your kids it's really interesting Mm. when you've done like a lot of work on yourself and you can go back and listen to the parts of you that were suffering and recognize exactly what they are and why they're there and how they got there it's so wild and also like somewhat indulgent it's amazing I mean but it also like on a kind of inspirational level for people listening to know that someone even two years ago could be you know when people are like you will get through it and you know there's great things in your future and people who are really struggling like can't really see that and I understand that but it's like things do just transform and it's crazy what happens even in a year but do you also kind of feel like when you can't see it that's commanded by a level of inertia Mm. like I have experienced myself in bouts of depression no question never I've never been clinically diagnosed with depression and I've never like taken anything for depression but I know that I can get quite melancholic and sometimes I feel like in those moments of melancholy what makes it worse is that people are giving me permission to be melancholic and when I say people I also mean myself 
maybe this is another thing about having turned 30 and like recognizing what works for me and what doesn't and we're constructive pushback versus like unconstructive laziness <laughs> doesn't quite suit me but over the last like three or four months I don't know what it is but every time I'm super anxious or down on something or like ready to unravel something internal this like fire in my belly just like picks me back up and it feels so good because it's also made me recognize like I do not need to respond to every whim of frustration and despair that pulses through my body sometimes a moment is just a moment Mm -hmm. and it doesn't have to become this like new normal for the way that I operate and see the world Mm -hmm. and like that is the big thing for me is like I've always known myself to be like truly an optimist sometimes an idealist rarely a realist although I'm getting better (laughs) at that and I think that while I was trying to conceive and also through the course of building my business I lost a lot of what made me me because I felt like I needed to be a certain way and like shut off parts of me Mm. I mean (laughs) but this this is why even the format of monocycle like that's what makes man repeller so special is I don't know any other podcast actually that I just got to like look inside your brain for a bit Mm -hmm. it was very like intimate and also like you say it was like listening into some sort of therapy and I know like Esther Perel that podcast and stuff is like awesome but it was so genuine and yeah I loved it well I hope you get that from Holy 32 yeah when's that launching unclear we recorded the pilot episode last week and now over the next couple months we're going to be recording the first season dun 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 amazing set up your google alerts people Because I I heard you on another podcast recently talking about how your definition of success has changed over the years. I just wondered, what is it now? Is it like more of a simplified version or because I'm still kind of working out like what mine is. I wonder how that's changed. What has success meant to you at various junctures of your own life? I think I've always felt like quite a lot of shame around like how much I love working because it's like not cool anymore to like, like, you know, the hustle culture and stuff, which I I don't really subscribe to. And I'm not like we should all be like grinding all through the night, but I'm like obsessed with my job. I feel like I'm meant to like not want that anymore. And that I meant to like, I don't know, be a bit more balanced. But actually I think my definition is still just doing me. Well, I think that's what it comes down to, right? Is just doing you. For me, success is fulfillment, right? It's feeling encouraged to wake up every day. And I know that everyone says it's the journey, not the destination. There is no destination. The destination is the journey, yada, yada, yada. But I don't think you actually get it until you experience it, until you feel it. Mm -hmm. I think like in my teens, success was finding love and getting married. And I got that really early into my 20s. And then when I was really early into my 20s, success was working my way up the ladder and being taken seriously as a figure in fashion. And I got that really early and then I entered a level of depression because I was like I thought that I was going to be spending my whole life looking for Mm. love and earning respect and I got those things so now what do I do I know have a child (laughs) and then that wasn't happening and I was like I knew the other shoe was going to drop I knew that this was going to get hard I, I I knew that it was too good to be true that I am not worthy of love Right. I think a lot about the past seven years because that's how long I've been married. How many ringers I've placed my husband through both deliberately 
and not. It's been unconscious. Like I, I would never deliberately try to pain my husband, but I think that I've like taken him to the edge of sanity multiple times just to prove to myself, like how far will you go for me? For how long will you stay? Mm. And I realized I was doing that kind of recently and was like, this is so fucked up. I'm going to lose like the most important things in my life. And it sounds dramatic. It, it's not like he was like, you need to figure it out or I'm walking. I think I, I've just been like in therapy for a very long time and I'm super, super self-reflective and constantly thinking about reaching my like best state of mm-hmm. me. Yes. And it occurred to me that I've been like testing him and like he so doesn't deserve that because he's such a wonderful partner and man and person and his role in life shouldn't be to like crutch me. It should be to figure out his shit because he has so much to give and he's so smart and his he's like box of unbridled potential. It's standing in his shoulders, mm. you know, mm-hmm. uh, but like also literally he's got these like big shoulders. <laughs> um, this is reminding me of I went to see a palm reader yesterday because, you know, I'm in New York. And um, it was amazing. And actually, one of the things I got told was like, you have to let more love in. And I knew exactly what she meant. It's hard sometimes actually accepting it. Yeah, because it's painful. When you accept the magnitude of love from anyone else, it puts a lot of responsibility on you. Or no, that's the wrong way to say it. But you know, they say love hurts. Mm. They don't mean because you might get broken up with or because like you might lose that person. Although I guess they do also kind of mean that. But like love is painful because when you recognize, when you prove correct the basic human instinct that we need each other to survive, it totally changes the game it totally changes the playing field right because here we're taught as like members of the workforce in the independent thinking man's world that we can do everything on our own Mm. but the way that humanity actually works as scientifically psychologically philosophically proven is such that we are better we are happier we are more fulfilled when we have each other and so when that basic instinct is proven correct which is so much more difficult than just being able to rely on yourself for absolutely everything it really brings shit into perspective and you're like oh fuck and i feel like we might be in a culture of the whole uh, individualistic i'm the ceo of my life kind of girl boss thing but i'm like scientifically we like will die earlier if we're alone also we need each other to procreate like the way that we exist is by connecting yeah i blame steve jobs i mean bless him rest in peace but if it weren't for that ipod and then the ipad and then the iphone who knows who knows who knows i love my mac my mac the eye <laughs> it's that eye what about we yes so so true can i ask you quickly just about like how motherhood has changed work just because yeah. as like a fellow person who wants to do well but also like find some sort of balance um sometimes i feel like the figures of like working mums like can be quite outdated because they're like quite a lot older than me mm-hmm. whereas you are someone who is similar age to me and i'm like wow that's so amazing to watch someone be fulfilled in both yeah I think I probably have the same experience that you do with my work where I can feel some shame around how much I care about it and how much I feel like I have a purpose here that is so much bigger than me and I need to like figure out how to prove it and see it through and I actually believe that having kids 
further accentuated that. You know, a lot of women have the experience of having kids and recognizing like, you know what? I don't think work is for me. Mm -hmm. I, I feel completely fulfilled and solidly satisfied by being at home with my children. And it gets tedious, but it is so worth it. Mm -hmm. Everything has some tedium involved in it. I kind of had the opposite reaction where I had my kids. I took a three month maternity leave and that maternity leave was amazing. Mm -hmm. It was the first break I've ever taken in my life. Wow. And I think that maternity leave should be required. <laughs> whether or not you have kids like just having an opportunity to take some time off is such a blessing mm -hmm. my goodness but I came back to work like guns ablazing, <laughs> and at first there was a lot of this like unbridled potential and frustration and just like pent up drive and mm -hmm. I didn't know what to do with it and for some reason it didn't like fit in the organization as it stood at the time and so it was like this really weird push and pull and every time I get overwhelmed and anxious I totally re like retreat to what seems like the easiest and least complicated way to move forward and so I kept trying to explore in my own mind like what is the next phase here can I do this alone do I need people who am I what am I do I want to be a mother do I just want to stay home and you know after like mm -hmm. a couple of bouts of nanny exoduses and having to be home for like a, a couple weeks at a time I was like I love these kids but like we are good for our two hours in the morning and three hours at night and that's a lot of time to be with your kids and I, I do feel like they get the best of me in that setting you know yeah like totally something my mom said to me right after I had them was she was a stay-at-home mother and she was like I had a lot of quantity of time with you and because of that I never focused on the quality and that's why you remember me the way you do mm. as constantly frustrated and anxious and always trying to clean and fix and your kids are so lucky that they're not going to have that with you and I was like yeah you're totally fucking right having them made me recognize just how valuable and important work is for my sense of personal fulfillment mm -hmm. and I still don't actually know what work means I'm like so proud of what I've built with Man Repeller and I think it is like an incredible depiction of a very specific interesting weighted and heated period in our culture mm -hmm. but I don't think that Man Repeller looks how it looks today for very much longer I'm certain that it doesn't mm. I hope the website never goes anywhere though it's my only safe space on the internet <laughs> <laughs> How many story? What are the what are your favorite kinds of stories? I like the ones that are very unconventionally kind of put together. So it's like ten like kind of paragraphs about like what people have learned at different ages. Like I think there was one was like from a twenty year old to an eighty year old. And yeah, I guess the curation. I think there's no one actually who does it better that curates something and informs but also in a fun way I, I, I love it I like literally go on there every day and read everything and I just like in a way it kind of makes me nostalgic for like when I did read more on the internet but I understand that like the world's changing annoyingly I miss when Man Repeller felt more like a personal blog mm. and I think to some degree it still does but I mean I'll, I'll never stop writing because that's the way that I like process my thoughts and I think that's true of a lot of the writers who pitch into Man Repeller and the ones who work on staff. Mm -hmm. But there is a level of my feeling like maybe it, we can lift the curtain a little mm -hmm. bit more again. It's really cool that because I know I started the episode talking about like how you might have changed from the book, even though I love that book, but how Man Repeller actually has like really kind of evolved over like a decade and it's still at the heart of it kind of stayed very true and very very focused. You know what I think that is? I've been trying to demystify what makes 
a story or a person feel very man repeller to me because like when you know you know you know you're like ah that person's super man repeller but not everyone knows inherently even if they have it in them even if they have the capacity to learn what that means so I've been trying to demystify the process to help with like how we recruit and also like how our freelancers pitch and I think that at the core a man repeller writer or person knows what drives human behavior and uses that understanding to tell a story about the world that they're living in today and how the experiences of their life are informed by this drive and how it might be impacting the people who they communicate with on a regular basis and then like more simply just we don't believe that anything we choose to cover is dumb like Mm. we talk about dumb shit but we don't think it's dumb Mm. because it's not nothing is dumb you know i feel like i i was on an interview with someone recently and they were like i know it's i know it's embarrassing or i know it's stupid but i love tabloid magazines and i was like hold on one second we are all just trying to survive and if you have figured out a mechanism to make your life be a little bit better and the way that it's better is by flipping through magazines and looking at best dress lists or like reading gossip about a person then good on you because mm. tons of other people have no idea what the fuck they're doing yes i feel like marapella as well has never been like it's never been snarky or mean and that's no. and that's what i think sounds really obvious but i've actually only just realized it a welcoming space i think is some something we need more than ever i think that at its best it's also not very judgmental and it's certainly not elitist that to me is the big thing Mm -hmm. because like elitism is all i know how it feels to be judged or not taken seriously looked at a certain way and I never want anyone to feel like that Mm. I I, nobody like helped me or taught me how to push through that on my own and I bet a ton of like shame has been built into my psychic architecture because of varying degrees of judgment that I have received growing up Mm. but when I started building man repeller totally unconsciously I was like this is gonna be a place where like a 21 year old who doesn't feel like they have mentors or like figures who are like showing them Mm. the way to be can come and be like I think I got this yeah and people people make friends in the comments I see it all the time yeah it's so nice that is so nice so nice so just lastly I just wondered what are you excited about coming up in the next few months or whatever but it doesn't have to be work related like anything well I'm going to Morocco in a couple of weeks maybe by the time this publishes I will have come back from there whereabouts in Morocco uh Marrakesh (gasps) love Marrakesh I've got a friend's wedding and then my husband and I haven't taken a vacation alone since our kids were born and we're going to Mexico at the end of December Mm. so I'm very very excited for that but also work-wise I'm excited about some um, internal changes that we're rolling out over the course of the next couple of months it's a really interesting time to talk to you I feel like what a time (laughs) to be alive I'm feeling good about 2020 now. Things are happening. Were you not feeling good about it previously? I love a new year. I get really excited. Hello, election. Well, I guess the election's important for us. Not yes. as much for you. Are you feeling hopeful about it? Well, I mean, it can either stay the same or get better. It cannot get yes. worse. That is a good, <laughs> yes, that's a good observation. Fingers crossed. We're all like watching it and rooting for you and we've got our own shit going on back uh, well, home. And but... how is that? Apparently on Halloween, Brexit's happening. We'll see. Spooky. We'll see. I'm spooked. It's all like up in the air. I've actually stopped reading the news like every day because I just can't cope. Look, we're all just trying to survive. I'm on ra- do I'm what on- you need to do. I'm on man repeller instead. <laughs> um, <laughs> That's what I like to hear. <laughs> yeah. Thank you so much for doing this. I know you're the busiest person in New York. No, it's um, not true. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. 
I'll see you on Thursday. Yes. Woo.